1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, June 10th. OTAs are underway as we inch ever closer to Bears camp, which, by the way, sounds like Bears fans are going to be allowed to attend this year, and soon we're going to find out the Bears' official training camp schedule. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to another episode of our annual summer series, Countdown to Camp. Today, we put our attention back on the Bears' offense with today's positional preview focusing on tight end. Join with me today, I have my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Nick, grad school, done, done?
2: Done, done. We are officially done and over with. No more school.
1: No more school. Congratulations, by the way. I think you officially graduate Saturday. You got the cap and gown, doing some virtual stuff. You go take some photos. But really, though, I just wanted to take a moment in a public forum just to you know share my, I guess, my proudness uh, of just you and that final project that you've made. It really blew me away. And I know you've been putting in a ton of effort, you know, for Adam's story. And I I didn't know what to expect, but it blew my expectations completely out of the water, man.
2: Thank you so much. Well, I feel like, you know, a lot of people really just love the story. And it's, it's about an incredible person. Um, And like uh, we've talked about it before here on this podcast, but my friend Adam Sivia, if anybody really wants to go check that out, just look up Siv Strong, the Adam Sivia story, and it, it, it kind of encapsulates what he's been through. Um, like I said, a good friend of mine, we played on the same football team, but yeah, that must that was it was a lot of work. But I'm so happy with how it came out, and then the family, as Adam's family, they've loved it, and they're just constantly sharing it, and you know, just sharing his story. But yeah, it was a lot of work, a lot of hours, but I'm really glad at how it turned out.
1: Yeah, me too. That was really neat. Uh, I love, you know, all the love that it's actually been getting through some, you know, people that you've met throughout the media over your time there at DePaul as well. So that's just tremendous. Um, but on the flip side, uh, I told you this before we went live, and I got to let you know again, you kind of failed us today. Yeah, what, what did I fa- What? What happened? Well, today we're previewing the tight ends. You tweeted about angry runs. I have a little bit of a segment to make sure we talk about it, and you didn't even wear the shirt
2: oh yeah that's that's disappointing like it was just such a hot day well i need something that's a little bit more a little bit more airy i guess but yeah that is pretty disappointing it's just in my drawer right there i can like leave for like two seconds change and come right back if you really want to
1: nope it's on it had it been genuine organic or not at all so you're going to continue keeping your attire as is but i'm a little disappointed mason i'm glad to have you on this week what's new in your world
0: yeah, nothing too much going on. You know, last week I had to miss because I had a bit of a cold. You know, with everything going on, we kind of forget that that's still a thing. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it. Will didn't really need me on here sniffling and coughing and hacking. Don't, that's just not needed.
1: No, I'm glad that, you know, you're feeling better. You sound great. Back to 100%. And I'm excited to have you on uh, to kind of bring your input throughout all the Bears side that we'll talk about here today. But before we talk about the tight end groups I'd mentioned at the top. OTAs are happening right now, and Nick, I'm curious. Is there anything that you feel like we need to discuss, whether that be Justin Fields' deep ball, Andy Dalton struggling seven on seven-on-seven, which those two, by the way, get me real, I don't know, antsy for training camp. I want to see how that kind of plays out. And I think my only other note personally is we now have double the amount of defensive starters than we did last week because Tashawn Gibson joined Roquan Smith. Now we have two starting defenders out there at OTAs. That's
2: always a good thing to get the starters back on on the football field. I think the only other thing, Will, that's uh, headline-worthy that needs to be talked about is just Justin Fields' command so far in the huddle, what he's kind of displaying, you know, really early on in his Bears career. So that's something that's encouraging. And like you talked about it, Andy Dalton struggling in the 7-on-7, throwing three interceptions in that period. That's a very offensive-oriented, offensive-favored period and if you're a Justin Fields, you know, wanting to see him week one, you, you want to see those keep stacking up for Andy Dalton and Justin Fields kind of throwing that deep ball consistently, just doing what he's doing. But it is just OTAs. We'll see how it plays out. But those are really the only things that are noteworthy.
1: Pretty much. Mason, what's going to happen if we go to training camp and we watch Andy Dalton throw three picks on seven on seven and Justin Fields is lighting it up? What, do, what kind of atmosphere do you think we'd have there at Howis Hall?
0: So, at training camp, in terms of fans, it's going to be energetic, it's going to be electric, and it's just going to be beyond exciting. Every single board, Twitter, tweet, everything out there is going to be calling for Fields to be the starter. Inside the House Hall, 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 it's going to be probably a little bit more somber. I really don't think the Bears really want to throw Fields out there week one. Uh, there was a, another report that was out there that they basically promised Andy Dalton that he was going to be the starter. I mean, who knows if that's actually true or not? If there is any truth to that, clearly they really don't want Fields out there week one. Nothing against Fields, but just to bring him along slowly, of course. And so they're going to have to really be thinking on their feet and potentially change their game plan for what they originally were going to do.
1: I hope they're. Keeping an open mind and they'll be as adaptable as they can be. But yeah, that's really about it right now. No TAs, and I don't know. I'm just glad to get some Bears on the field news or tidbits coming out from the media because you know it feels like some time uh, since all of us were here breaking down that wild card loss, and now getting to getting in a little bit of seeing uh, some players in the field. It's really nice. And again, about a month and a half, a month and three weeks away from training camp, so we're getting closer, guys. We really are. But before we begin, I do want to share what to expect here throughout this Countdown to Camp episode. We're going to discuss each tight end currently on the roster, our expectations, any question marks for them heading into 2021. We'll share our picks on who's going to make the final roster here in the tight end group as well. And at the end of the show, one of my favorite parts of really the year, we'll have some fun by making some bold predictions, play some over-under, and again, like usual, I have some more superlative type of questions for the guys. But Mason and Nick, you ready to dive in and talk about some tight ends? Let's do it. All it's right. Let's be, yeah, let's do this thing. So, and let's go ahead and begin with the veteran who is entering his 12th year in the league and is second with the Chicago Bears after signing last offseason, and that's Jimmy Graham. And talk about a touchy subject. Graham was on the hit list of most Bears fans this offseason. The general consensus was, you know, you cut Jimmy Graham, you can save a lot of money during the Bears' current cap situation. I think I was on board of that a few months ago. Instead, it was Kyle Fuller and Charles Eno Jr. that was let go. So as of today, Graham is a Chicago Bears, and I would expect him to be one come week one. What about you, Nick? Do you?
2: Yeah, I think at this point, when you look at the depth chart for the tight ends well and Mason we were talking kind of about this a little earlier before we went live there's not a lot there so I think having Jimmy Graham a veteran presence still with you know Cole Komet who we'll talk about in a little bit at this point in time is a good idea to just keep on this roster because look I think he exceeded our expectations as well but considering his age the contract that he had but his production that he he actually had especially in the end zone Jimmy Graham, you know, I think it exceeded my expectations. So I would definitely expect to see him in a Bears uniform come week one.
1: I still feel like you see articles like here's how the Bears can replace Jimmy Graham before week one. All those. I just feel like they like him so much as a glue guy, that culture locker room type of player that they don't want to let go of right now, that veteran presence. And also you mentioned it, Nick, exceeded some expectations last year. Quarterbacks had a pass rating of 105 uh, when they targeted Jimmy Graham last year. Of course, when you throw what he had eight touchdowns a year ago. That really does kind of help that number out just a, a little bit. When it comes to Jim, Jimmy, Graham in his debut season in Chicago, he finished as a team's leader in those receiving touchdowns. I mentioned with eight. He also had, I think that was the most he had since 2017. Uh, he was tied for third on the team in terms of target 76. Um, but that really was a tale of two halves. When you look at Graham's seasons uh, Heck, as a story, uh, maybe a little bit more of the inverse for another tight end that we'll talk about here next. In Jimmy Graham's first eight games, he was averaged about six times, targeted six times per game. In the final eight games, that dropped down to 3.8. So here we have a tight end. He's going to be turning 35 this season. He's coming off the second half of a year where he saw his role kind of diminish a bit in favor of Cole Komet. and we have some good from Graham, uh, especially with that red zone presence, but you can tell last year he wasn't nearly as fast or fluid as he once was, but we didn't really expect that to kind of come over to Chicago. So Mason, I want to go to you first. What do you believe that the Bears have in Jimmy Graham this season?
0: Probably a continuation of what you were just talking about. You know, at the offensive snaps definitely decreased, as you said. Uh, At The Rams in Week 7, he had 76% of the offensive snaps. But then in Week 12 against Green Bay, he was down to 35%. You know, a huge decrease there. And you would think that they'd want him out there more when they were trying to make that playoff push. You know, especially we saw that there was some production. He had a couple of touchdowns early. uh, After his two touchdowns in Atlanta, in Atlanta game in week four, he only had three over the next 10 weeks. They really weren't looking for him. Part of that was also, they weren't getting in the red zone quite as much either. Uh, the team as a whole, his offense was not doing that great. So for this upcoming season though, I would probably see that continue where we're seeing a lot of Jimmy Graham in the red zone if they're fortunate enough to get there. But kind of between the twenties, maybe not as much Jimmy featured.
1: Yeah, that red zone, like he was so productive in there. I know I mentioned about this time a year ago, that's what I was looking for. To looking forward to watching Jimmy Graham bring to the table. I remember 2019, the Bears, I think they had two touchdowns for the entire tight end group, and he had four times that amount just by himself. And when you look at just the league as a whole, uh, Jimmy Graham had four times, like could said, that. But his eight red zone touchdowns last year, fifth in the NFL, and second amongst all tight ends, only behind Travis Kelsey, so Nick, when we look at Jimmy Graham, is that kind of what you're expecting someone that once you reach, you know, that money zone, that green zone, that red zone, that's really where we'll see a lot of, you know, Jimmy Graham's talent kind of, I mean, shine.
2: I think so. Cause he's been consistently that kind of guy, even when he was at uh, green Bay or even with the saints, like that's somewhere where you would target him. Maybe it's like, like Mason was saying in between the twenties, that's probably not where Jimmy Graham at this point of his career is most productive. Just given his size, his basketball background, you want to see him get that fade ball where it's just a one-on-one opportunity. How many times the Bears, they did that week one against Detroit where they're just going to isolate a corner on whoever, you know, whatever corner it may be. It's a, it's a mismatch. So at this point, I think that that's realistic. But at what I'm seeing, what how the season ended last year, I think you're just going to see a, a diminished role or that kind of role for Jimmy Graham kind of continue into 2021 because it's really more so about the other guy that we're going to talk about that we need to see an uptick in his production.
1: Correct. And I think with Jimmy Graham's age, I mean, he's been a very reliable player throughout his career, very durable. But now again, he'd be turning 35 this November. The fact that he may not be playing 50, 60 snaps per game is probably a good thing uh, for the Bears and for Jimmy Graham. Nick, do you have any like burning questions or just any concerns when it comes to Graham's season coming up? I think the big thing,
2: what we saw out of the tight end group last year, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham primarily, the, the, I guess, just consistency to stay on the field. They didn't miss a game at all last year, and that was such a complete 180 from what was happening with the Bears tight end group, you know, just a year prior to that in 2019, Mm -hmm. where they couldn't stay on the field. With this age, and and I know, you know, Jimmy Graham's doing everything he can to keep his body in shape and things like that, but can you expect him to – be available for 16 games 17 games sorry for for this upcoming season I'm not going to say that he can't because he showed he could do it last year but I think that's just something that you have to think about because the Bears are really fortunate not to lose anybody or lose Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham from that group last year and that's awesome but can you count can you rely on that for 2021 I don't know
1: I'm proud of you, Nick. You, you caught yourself and remembered it's a 17-game season and we're only 14 minutes into the show, so way to go.
2: I'm trying, man. I mean, that, that extra game is getting me every single
1: time almost. Almost, but you're there. And I think for now on, you, you got this thing down, Pat. Uh, Mason, entering last season, a lot of the talk that I heard just about Jimmy Graham in terms of like weaknesses was blocking. Did he exceed your expectations uh, as a capable blocker last year? Because when I look back, I think he did for me.
0: Looking back, there weren't any plays that really stood out where I was like, oh, man, Jimmy Graham was a liability. He was the reason that play blew up. But he also wasn't necessarily put in that situation a ton. That's why you had other individual players. Like when Cole Komet did get on the field, he was put in that blocking role, especially a little earlier. You have the J.P. Holtzes who are used, you know, sometimes as that fullback role, but also as that blocking tight end. So I just feel like he wasn't necessarily put there as often. And then that makes you a little bit more one-dimensional, right? You know, when Jimmy Graham is there, more likely than not, he's – It's not going to be a run play to his side. So you're able to key off of him a little easier. I would like him to continue progressing and improving on that blocking. And part of that is just the coaches trusting him to do so because they didn't, didn't seem like they asked him to do it that often.
1: True. I remember a couple runs, though, that did get sprung with the help of Jimmy yes. Graham along the boundary, which, again, coming out, everyone's like, oh, Jimmy, he can't block. He's just a receiver. I, I think he proved that he can block uh, at a time as well. Nick, anything you wanted to add in on this specifically or anything about Jimmy Graham you wanted to end things off before we move on to Cole Komet?
2: I think with Jimmy Graham, uh, still sticking with like the blocking, it helps when you're having a moving pocket. And, you know, maybe when we see Justin Fields as a quarterback, and look, they can have definitely plays where Andy Dalton's on play-action rollouts, but it's kind of easier for whatever tight end may be staying in the block, chip block, whatever, go off for a pass. But it's kind of almost advantageous for that person, that individual, to hold the block for a little bit longer so your quarterback can make that throw. But I think when you watch some of the film of what he was able to do, you know, again, exceeded my expectations because I think we we all – heard like Jimmy Graham is a guy that will go be you know get some yards get the catches but you don't want to see him blocking and there are plays that really highlight that but for the most part he held his
1: own Jimmy Graham holding his own at the age of 34 turning 35 this season Uh, I'm assuming some decent amount of veteran days once we get to training camp for Jimmy Graham you guys agree
0: absolutely (laughs) yeah Jimmy doesn't need to be spending a lot of time in the Chicago Sun
1: and that should only help geez. <laughs> and that should only help Cole Komet here a bit, earning some of those more, you know, tight end one reps and seeing what he can do here in camp. And let's go ahead and just move right along here and move forward. And let's go ahead and take a look at that second year pro out of Notre Dame who put together a very strong second half of the season after a slow start. And of course, I just mentioned that's Cole Komet. Comet, who was the first tight end drafted last year, let all rookies at the position in catches of twenty-eight, receiving guards with two hundred and forty-three. Yards after the catch with 141, and he was second in touchdowns with two, trailing Harrison Bryant over in Cleveland with three. But remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. 79% of Komet's receptions came after week week 10 or later. He went from a player averaging around 25 or so snaps per game in the first half of the year to someone that was playing 60 or more snaps in the final month of the season. Guys, we saw a lot of growth out of Cole Komet last year. What about the evolution of his game still stands out to you today uh, that you find to be a big positive heading into 2021? And Nick, I'll go to you first.
2: I think for, for Cole Komet, what we saw you know, in spurts, especially when Mitchell Trubisky was actually put back as the starting quarterback, is that physicality. I think when you saw him, though, yards after the catch, like you mentioned, Will, you saw him just use that big body that he has, lower the shoulder, fight for those extra yards, and show that he could be a physical presence that you know not a lot of defenders can actually match up with because, again, his size and just his tenacity to want to get those extra yards. So that's something that Cole Komet needs to take with him, and I know he will, but that's encouraging to see because when you get in the league, maybe you're kind of still filling yourself out just wondering, hey, where do I need to be on a given play? And with tight ends, there's so many responsibilities. The blocking, the receiving, the route running, like it's not, you know, like a receiver where it's like, hey, get open, get you know, catch the ball, whatever. But I think for Cole Komet, allowing him to just use that physicalness that I know he possesses and we've all seen it, that's so encouraging and that needs to continue moving on throughout his you know, the rest of his career.
1: Yeah, more angry runs for Cole Komet. Those are fun to watch. Those really are, you know, I mean, those were those get you energized. And we're sitting at home. So just imagine if you're in the sideline watching your tight end run over the opposing defense, you know, that – that perks guys up there on the sidelines and in the huddle as well. But what about you, Mason? Any positives from uh, Cole Komet's rookie season that you want to see him, you know, build upon or just being a positive in the 2021 that you would envision?
0: Yeah, it's all about opportunity for Komet. You know, like you said, through week seven, his highest offensive snap percentage was only 35%. But then week 10 against the Vikings, he was up to 70. And then week 14 against the Vikings, again, he played 100%. And that's when you saw that he actually started to get some of those catches. He actually started to, was able to have some of those angry runs using that physicality, you know, those young legs able to churn through those defenders. So it's all about just the opportunity and the coaches being able to trust him. And with a smaller tight end room, like we've been talking about this whole time, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him to be there.
1: For me, there are two real big positives uh, from Cole Komet's rookie season. that I don't think is talked about enough. One It's a sure hands. He only had one drop last year. And if I remember the play correctly, the game lined up. I didn't go all the way back through the film, didn't have the time to do it. Uh, I think it was the one where he was almost still in like double coverage and then it was like near the end zone and the ball kind of went right through his hands. And we thought that should have been a touchdown uh, for Mitch at the time. Uh, so well, just one drop still, regardless of the play, just one drop all of last season. And as a rookie, Nick, you mentioned it, rookie tight ends. You have so many responsibilities on any given play. There's a reason why it takes a while for tight ends to kind of develop in this league. Well, as a guy that you can tell he wasn't that overwhelmed, at least in terms of uh, the fundamentals, because only one penalty uh, in the regular season for Cole Komet. Got a little jumpy uh, over there in the wild card game with the two penalties, but still in, in the regular season, his rookie year, only one uh, penalty against. Uh, let's kind of flip it, though. We know there's still some room to grow for Cole Komet. Is there something last year, Nick, that you saw him struggle with that you really want to see him polish up a bit?
2: I think the big thing with Cole Komet and we're really going to have to watch out to see how he kind of continues to just produce to be a better player in this aspect. It's creating separation because when you look back at how Cole Komet got a lot of his receptions, his yards after the catch, there's usually some kind of ball fake involved play action and where Cole Komet's crossing from one side of the field to the other, where you have the defense flowing one way, Cole Komet's going the opposite way. And it's an easy dump off pass or it's just a pass that, you know, Cole Komet's going to be sure handed and then get the yards after the catch. I don't know how many times we saw really Cole Komet create a lot of separation. And yes, being a bigger guy, um, it's going to be a little tougher, but that's something that I still need to see from this. is important year two for Cole Komet to see if he can improve in that aspect. And he, you know, spoke to the press, what was it, yesterday, I believe. And he said he feels stronger and faster, feeling more confident with the playbook. So maybe that'll allow his game speed to really just elevate in year two, but that's something just creating separation because you look at some of the best tight ends in the league, like a Travis Kelsey and, you know, George Kittle guys like that. They're big, they're fast, and they can create separation on linebackers, even cornerbacks that guard them. So can Cole commit take that jump to where he can create separation and not just have to go over a guy. I think the, the one play that stands out is against the Rams where it's on the left sideline. And he just uses that big body to just moss the poor, I think it's a linebacker, just right over him. But can we see now Cole Komet just be open because, hey, it's a nice, nuanced route, and he's open. So that's going to be the big thing for me.
1: That's a really good one. How about you, Mason? Anything that you want to see him either uh, add to his game or just kind of tidy up compared to his rookie season?
0: Yeah, I would just say two things. One would be just knowing when to go down as well. We're calling for him to have more angry runs and everything, but there was a game last year, you know, fighting for some extra yards, got the ball punched out and turned the ball over. You know, at the end of the day, you can't have that if you're putting together, you know, a really good drive. And second is more diversity in the route tree that he can run. You know, right now it's very simple and there's not a lot of downfield plays for him. Definitely nothing, not very much longer than 10 yards, right? You don't see the kittle up the seam kind of route. You don't see a lot of those deeper comebacks that maybe a Kelsey might run. So I'd like to see him be able to do those because that's going to really put the onus on the defenders to have to actually guard him uh, much more closely than they are currently.
1: Uh, I like that observation a lot, Mason. It's really good. Uh, for me, I, you guys talked about commit the receiver, commit the blocker needs some work too. Uh, there's times last year we seen him lunging, whiffing. Uh, especially when he is doing a lot of pulling across the formation, uh, having a hard time identifying, uh, you know, his key, who he needs to block, and setting the edge, sealing off a run, things of that nature. Uh, you see him lunging, uh, reaching, and he needs to really learn how to square up, make that solid contact, and lock on to some of those defenders. Uh, I actually saw a really good article from Parker Hurley over at Beard's Goggles On that had a really nice breakdown of where Kolkomet uh, needs to improve as a blocker. So if you want a little bit of a deeper, uh, I guess, analysis than what I just mentioned. check uh, Check that out. But there's a few things that I saw that Parker saw as well. Uh, So I just wanted to make sure that I kind of gave him a shout out for that one too. Um, But you guys talked about Komet as a receiver. We do want to see him evolve. Uh, When you look at him, Jimmy Graham, uh, I feel like Graham's out to question here. So I guess I'll keep this one specifically for Komet. Nick can he become a seam busting type of threat? Because a lot of the work was underneath last year. I feel like he has the speed to do it. I know he has the size to be a mismatch down in that area of the field. And I do believe it's also an area that the bears have been really missing out of the tight end group really for almost as long as I can remember.
2: To answer your question. Well, I hope so. I think the bears envision that he needs to be that guy. That's why they drafted him with their first pick, you know, just last year. So, I think he's capable of it. He Like what Mason was mentioning earlier about opportunities, we saw those kind of happen more towards the end of the season with a more athletic quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky than Nick Foles and him just being, I think, more comfortable with himself within the offense. So I think Matt Nagy just needs to call those plays where he trusts his, his tight end to be in the right spot down the seam. So I think he's capable of it, but I just didn't see a lot of it last season. So hopefully 2021, it's a... This will be Matt Nagy's best version or the most true version of his offense that we're ever going to see, I think. So if that involves a tight end, which it should because of where he comes from with the chiefs, then you should expect to see Cole Komet, maybe even Jimmy Graham down that scene where big plays are bound to happen.
1: I would love to get, you know, a tight end of this offense that can be a downfield threat a little bit. I feel like a lot of the work uh, for Jimmy Graham when it was downfield was in a red zone, which is tremendous. But again, when you're between the 20s, you need a guy that can kind of step up in his zone in that regard as well. Mason, I want to go to you. Is Cole Komet entering the season as like a tight end one in your eyes? I know, you know, Komet and Graham play different positions. You have Komet as the Y, Graham as the U, but snap share wise, are, are we going to see Komet kind of take the bulk like we did at the end? I don't see any reason why they would go back to square one like what we saw the early the 2020 season.
0: I would absolutely imagine that he's going to have a an uptick in those snaps, and it should be pushed more towards Komet than it is Graham at this point. Like we said, Graham maybe more, and so in the red zone, Komet uh, more somewhere between the twenties. They really don't run a lot of two tight end sets for the most part. They're, last year they had about nineteen percent were in twelve personnel with two tight ends, and it, with twenty two they're only really about one percent. So a lot of times they're really making a choice between the two. Uh, And one would hope that they would shift towards the younger player with more potential at this point, especially with what the year is looking like a developmental year as a whole.
1: Nick, do you want to see them run any, uh, I say more often, do you want to see them out there in two tight end sets compared to a year ago?
2: I think it depends on the situation, but absolutely. I think that helps get your, your better playmakers on the field when you really look at it, when you're looking at that third wide receiver position and Anthony Miller and what he hasn't been able to do throughout his Bears career would you rather have Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet especially in the red zone I think at this point you would just because of what you're expecting from Cole Komet and what you've seen in one season with Jimmy Graham so I think you know situationally it's going to depend on, on the grouping the personnel groupings but down in the red zone when you have two big guys like that I think having them on the field is going to be advantageous for your offense
1: Now, Nick, my last question for you regarding Cole Komet may seem like an obvious one, uh, but I feel like your answer would be worthwhile. How can Cole Komet benefit from better quarterback play in year two?
2: I think the yards after the catch, if you get a guy that can actually deliver the ball accurately, and with Cole Komet with a head, you know, just a full head of steam, he's running over people. He's looking to run over people, but that's going to look not only produce the stats but confident wise seeing that Cole Komet can produce on you know at this level would be a high productive you know football player for the Bears but I think having a quarterback that knows what he's doing and delivering the ball accurately gives again goes back to what Mason kept on saying the opportunities and that's what I think we need to see what Cole Komet can do given those opportunities especially how he ended last season and going with hopefully competent quarterback play in 2021.
1: Love it. Mason, uh, to wrap up, Cole Komet, do you have a burning question for him entering the 2021 season?
0: Can he help my Dynasty Fantasy team is really my biggest question, because as of (laughs) right now, he hasn't been that great. But I'm hoping maybe even a bold prediction that I'd be coming later would help me out a lot.
1: Well, I can't wait uh, to figure out what that is. Let's go ahead, and before we enter Tier 2, I just wanted to let everyone know, you know, usually when we get to a century mark uh, with our podcast uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, we like to give away a free Bears jersey. Uh, We've been sitting at about 620-ish, 624, I think is the last I saw, for a little bit of time now. So I just wanted to give like a mid-show reminder that Hey, if you can help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, it shows that, A, you're listening, B, uh, that you like the show, and I'm going to drop it. If we can get to 650 reviews by training camp, uh, we'll send someone a free Chicago Bears jersey of their choice. Again, if you review and you leave a review, you're entered into this giveaway. Uh, I feel like there's almost a no-brainer choice for a free Bears jersey this offseason. But, yeah, we're only like 26 away, and we'll give away a free Bears jersey to you. So, again, head over to ApplePodcast.com and leave a review of our podcast for that. And, Nick, do you have your shout-outs all queued up for this week?
2: I don't, but I do have Masons that I've just been neglecting here. So, or not unless, Mason, obviously you're here. Would you like to talk about, you know, um, team rehabilitation? But I have it queued up here if you want.
0: No, I can chat about it a little bit. So, you know, people know, or maybe you don't, uh, I'm a physical therapist in Barrington, Illinois. Um, We see pretty much everything, but I know I specialize in athletes, especially youth athletes. One thing that's really cool that we just got is this uh, thing called Dorsa-V. It's some wearable technology that really gives you an idea of, one, what your injury risk is, but also, two, kind of where you are in your athleticism. Uh, The thing that's awesome about it is you get this report put out there that says, all right, you have a moderate risk of injury, right? You have, when you do your single leg squat, your knee collapses at 100 degrees per second. And then there's a lot of research out there that'll say, well, if you have 100 degrees per second of knee collapse when you do your single leg squat, you have five times more likely chance of having an ACL tear. So it's one of those things that's really great for, again, injury prevention. It's really great for developing... Not just the young athletes, but if you're someone like me who tries to, you know, wreck themselves in basketball every weekend, just making sure that you're in a position to be able to play the next weekend, right? And not even just that. There's also a running module, which is really cool. It shows the force that gets put up the leg, um, sees how much impact you have, how symmetrical you are, one side to the next. And as we're leaving COVID right now, it's we want to be active. We want to get back out there. And we want to do all these awesome things, but we have to do it safely because. To be quite honest, you know, obviously my business is run on people getting hurt, but I don't like people getting hurt. So run, run in, you know, find some people. It doesn't have to be me. Find people that know what they're talking about, know what they're doing and uh, get you in the physical shape you need to be in.
1: Love it. Well done, Uh, especially without even knowing you're going to have to do your own shout out here on the show, (laughs) uh, which is not a prerequisite of you hopping on as a co-host here. Um, But Nick, you want to let people know uh, how they can help us out. and In return, they can get a shout out on next week's Countdown to Camp episode
2: yeah absolutely so obviously with these these episodes are coming out every week and probably more like we'll have a couple in, in, in a week here so you can get a shout out on any one of these these episodes just by going on venmo or on paypal and you know sending us a donation that again gets in turn goes to the podcast helps us run it here but you can look up at the chicago audible you should see my name nicholas moriano the chicago audible logo That's on Venmo and then www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal for for the PayPal version of that if you want to send it that way. But any type of donation helps us just to run this podcast. And look, you see the the awesome graphics that Will has kind of incorporated throughout the show. So that's just him taking time to do that, the stream, the work. But again, if you want to send that through Venmo at the Chicago Audible and then PayPal www.chicagoaudible.com .com/paypal.
1: So you like the graphics, huh?
2: I do like the graphics. I've noticed them well. They they look really cool.
1: Thank you. It all started with one small idea and then everything just blossoms and then I I stay up late and tinker around and I'm excited I was telling Mason before we went live. Like the goal is to use this whole summer as a long experiment of what we can do with this live stream and by the time we get to the real season Uh, We should have some really cool kind of ways we can leverage it uh, even more. You you don't know until you try. Uh, So I'm trying to push some of the limits here. But, guys, I'm ready to get back into tight end talk, entering Tier 2, which I'm dubbing familiar depth faces. And I left off the name of Tier 1, which I called the young buck and the old fart. No, I see? (laughs) My wife liked it, so I wanted to make sure I shared that one as well. But Nick, I am a very generous person, as you know, so I'm going to go ahead and begin this tier with your favorite tight end on the roster, and that's J.P. Holtz, which I guess my biggest question for him is, and I still don't know, is it periods or not?
2: I think it is. I, like I have ESPN open up right here. Oh wait, he didn't have a reception in 2020, so he's he's not actually on on the uh, you know the stat page. But everywhere I see, it's the periods there. But we obviously didn't do that. That's all right. Official but, Bears yeah, roster
1: had no periods, and that's why I asked.
2: Uh, well, they would probably know better than ESPN. I'm going to be completely honest, but it would help if he had receptions in 2020 to kind of so I could see that. So yeah, JP Holtz is like when you mentioned tier one, I'm like. A, is there even a tier two, three? There's just like basically a tier one with these tight ends. There's just so few of them that I think we can actually count on. But J.P. Holtz I think would be maybe the next man kind of up in that regard because of not, not his defined role because he kind of you know wears multiple hats. Is he a fullback? Is he a tight end? It, I think with J.P. Holtz, he's a guy that can produce on special teams. And that's where I really look at him being – adding value he had 212 special team snaps 46.7 percent for the bears last season and look when you look at offensive i think he had around 80 something so 87 which is 8.1 percent of the offensive snap so the bears didn't really feature him too much because they got a brand new you know young guy and in, in cole commets that they wanted to implement and you saw that happen last season but JP Holtz still trying to find a, what that role is at this point in his career. And I can't really tell you what it is, but I am a fan of what he does and the grit that he plays with.
1: No, I just remember last year, uh, we were debating which tight end was going to make the bottom end of this roster because we knew the top three last season were a lock commit Graham. And unfortunately, Demetrius Harris was a lock. And so the debate was Holtz or horse And you went team Holtz. I went team horse Although I admitted that I could see why Holtz would fit better, given the talent set. And I was okay if Horstead went to the practice squad, which all kind of happened. Um, but I know you're officially Team Holtz, and uh, that's why I wanted to start it off with you. But you said it. Last year, primarily a special teamer. He averaged about six offensive snaps uh, per game. Um, but he is flexible on offense. He can be lined up you know, in the backfields, your H-back. He you can also line up in line. Um, But, yeah, you don't see a reception. But if you go to pro football reference, you do see some stats. He has kick returns. So whenever they kicked it short to not kick it to Gerdale Patterson. And he got some tackles uh, on special teams. So that's about it. He had one target, though, last year, Nick. So he did have an opportunity, and he didn't secure it. I don't know what the target looked like, exactly. though. I didn't I didn't, yeah. I didn't. feel like going all the way back to figure out, did they just throw it away? Did they throw it over them? I, It's. It can be whatever it is. It's nothing to even really to discuss. Mason, I'm just going to say it. What are your <laughs> thoughts about J.P. Holtz?
0: I mean, it's one of those things. We just talked about so much opportunity. You know, there are so many times that I know last year I was banging on the table, like, why, we're in the red zone. Why aren't we throwing to Jimmy Graham throughout the year? Why is no Commit not getting run? And then it's like, so why are there going to be any targets going at J.P. Holt at this point? And they really don't run very much using him as the fullback. I mean, he's there as an option. But Matt Nagy famously said, they didn't bring me here to run the eye. Right? So you, we don't expect that to happen a lot. They, they had did two running backs. That's like 1% of the time last year. He's, he's a special teams guy. He's going to make tackles. He's going to grab the kick and bring it back for maybe five, six yards. And then he's going to go home and cash his paycheck.
1: <laughs> Not a bad life. Uh, to say the least. Nick, uh, I know you said we don't know uh, what J.P. Holtz really provides, and this will be our first look at him at a training camp, if I remember correctly, because the Bears signed him late in the 2019 season, and then last year, of course, with COVID, uh, we didn't get m- many opportunities uh, to kind of see what he can provide uh, other than what we saw in the field late in 2019. Do you have any hope he can become a viable player catching option the reason why i'm asking and it we also have jesper horse said who we'll talk about in a second but i'm a little worried because i feel like we need a tight end three someone that could step up if needed
2: like a Demetrius Harris no man well see those tight end three or maybe there were ones at one point with Deion Sims but I, I that's that was my feeling when I was like looking at the guys that are currently on the roster it's like okay, yes, Cole Comet and Jimmy Graham played an entire season in, you know, 2020, can't, like what I was talking about earlier, can you guarantee that that'll, that'll happen this year? Because if it, if it doesn't, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, so is that going to be guys that you can really rely on? You know, maybe the Bears feel that way because they didn't add much to that position. So, obviously, maybe they feel a little bit more confident than me at this point. But, yeah, I think for Jesper Horstead, I'd not really – or jp holtz i'm not really envisioning like a receiving threat like we just talked about the opportunities need to go to cole commit and they should go to cole commit so for jp holtz to really be getting any type of workload i don't know if it's even that's not that shouldn't be the focus it really shouldn't it it needs to be on on cole commit but i agree with you the depth can be a real issue if one of these guys gets injured the main two guys
1: Before I move on to Horstead, which everyone knows I'm ready to get to, thoughts about Holtz as a lead blocker, though, last year, Nick? I know you've been kind of watching that for David Montgomery uh, over his NFL career so far, so I'm just curious, does he he still provide enough value in that regard that you would consider him? And I know we'll estimate and put a prediction to who makes the roster soon, but does he feel like as a lock as it can be?
2: Oh, I I, like how it's... mm. Like as a lock as can be, it's a little, I don't know, it was a little up in the air, but I think the, the special teams value and seeing that there really isn't anybody that could push for that, that role specifically being a good blocking tight end. I think you can put JP Holtz on the roster, but yeah, we'll talk about it at the end, I guess.
1: Well, that's why you brought him on last year. That was your exact argument blocking was better than Jesper Horstead. So I I keep mentioning his name, so I'm just going to move on over and let's hop on uh, the train to get some of that patented Horstead hype. Jesper Horstead spent last season on the practice squad, but he's only a year removed from a tremendous training camp and a preseason that I still remember. And that led to him, after he spent most of that year in the, on the practice squad, uh, I think over a five-game stretch in 2019, he had eight catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. And my favorite stat of all, the Bears were 4-2 uh, in the games that Jasper Horstead has played for them. So in Horstead, the Bears have more of a receiving threat than a J.P. Holtz, but Horstead, as we just said, he's not nearly the as a proven blocker as Holds is. So it's a true give or take uh, with these two. I think our joke last year, Nick, was if you combine these guys, you have yourself a real solid tight end. It's just a matter of uh, they have a separate skill sets right now. Uh, so, Mason, I'll go to you. And this may be a loaded question, so I apologize. What is Jesper Horst's path to making the roster this year?
0: The easiest way for him to make the roster is if Jimmy Graham gets hurt, to be quite honest. Like, that's the easiest way for him to get on the field. Um, at the end of the day, talent comes to the surface, talent plays. And when it comes to a football team, especially the you know, tight end, three tight end especially, but you know the third tight end, the third running back, the third, fourth running back, you have to be malleable. You have to have multiple hats. And right now, Horstead is real, pretty darn good. I mean, if you just run him as that U tight end, like you said, in 2019, he did have eight receptions. But he just doesn't give you a lot of the other stuff. And so it's hard to have that third tight end not give you the blocking, not give you as much of the special teams work. So at this point in time, unless they tried, the bears really decide they need to cut that $7 million they could save with Graham and cut him Graham gets hurt, something like that. I foresee Horsed potentially being another practice squad guy again.
1: Interesting. Wow. We'll get to that in a little bit because I feel like that's real thin to only have three tight ends uh, on the roster Nick, am I foolish to hope that with a year completely stashed away, you know, out of the limelight, uh, Jesper Horsehead could come into training camp as an improved blocker and someone that could be more of a, a viable option on this roster? Because just remember what he can do as a receiver in training camp. He was tur- every training camp episode you and I did, we had a special segment just for Jesper Horstead, and then we thought, okay, well, let's see what it does into the preseason games, and he stood out there as well, and when he had a small sample size late in that 2019 season, I thought he played pretty darn well, so I know he needs to improve as a blocker. I feel like with another year, you know, as a practice squad guy, there's a chance he can come out this year showing that he has improved in that regard.
2: I think you can't rule it out, I think, with Clancy Barone and what he kind of showed he could do with, you know, Jimmy Graham. The versatility there, having a veteran, Jimmy Graham, get the production out of him, a young guy in Cole Kamek get the production out of him towards the end of the season. I, You know, I, you just can't rule it out, what Jesper Horst He knows what area of his game he needs to improve on, to, to make a team, to actually become part of this active roster. So I think the focus should have been there throughout, you know, this offseason. And if he was obviously he wants to make this roster, but that's the area he need to improve upon. But with with him, I just wonder, again, we talked about opportunities to commit. How many of those is he going to get? And we'll have to just wait and see.
1: I was just laughing. I saw a comment from Christopher in the chat that said uh, he has closed captions on for our show right now. And it said horse dead instead of horse. dead." <laughs> so hopefully, I saw that. Hopefully got fixed. Uh, if I pronounced pronounced a little slower there. Um but you guys ready to move on to tier three? I don't have anything else for Holtz or Horstead right now.
0: Let's do it. Nope.
1: Alright, so moving on to the third tier, which as we know it's are automatically dubbed as, you know, the rest. We just have two guys, again, real thin right now at the tight end position. We have Darian Clark. Uh, He was an undrafted free agent last year. He played basketball at USC. Uh, He earned his way into the Bears with a strong workout in December of 2019. Uh, He got injured in camp last year. I believe it was a shoulder, uh, but he's back for another go. Uh, and then you have maybe one of my favorite names right now in the Bears, Scooter Harrington, undrafted uh, free agent out of Stanford. He's 6'5", 250. He played five seasons at Stanford, and he only had 17 catches, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. Not a lot to pull from here, guys. Uh, I know that coming, uh, you know, being upfront with you, uh, Nick. Are there any players here that intrigue you between the two? Uh, I'm curious to see what, you know, Clark looks like at camp, just because you know we heard good things coming you know out of bears i would say mini camp or just the workout that he had and we had no opportunity to see him last year we knew he'd be raw um, but he has a lot of that well talent it's just raw a- as it is so i'm curious to see if he's polished at all does he look like a tight end out there uh, a lot when we Watched Rashad Coward move from defense to offense. Does he look out of place, Uh, considering you know for Clark it's a whole different sport uh, that he's transitioning to here from basketball uh, over to football. But just curious if between Scooter and Darian, uh, any of these players intrigue you the most?
2: I'll have to go with Darian Clark just because of Jimmy Graham's background in basketball and how he's able to, you know, use that to make a successful NFL career. Not that Darian Clark's going to do that, but can he kind of look into what Jimmy Graham has done in terms of as a player that transitioned and, you know, was just a multi-sport athlete and bring that to his game. And look, it's a, it's a long shot. It really is because you can have the athleticism, but two completely different sports, but can he take bits and pieces of what connects the two sports and put it on the football field like that? That's intriguing, but it's not something that I'm like, okay can bank on, you know, Darian Clark to be that next guy there. But it, it is intriguing just in terms of the athleticism that he does possess. And, like, even Scooter Harrington, like you mentioned, fantastic name, was the nation's 10th best wide tight end by ESPN. So he has a lot of the uh, – just the framework as being a tight end in his history where Darian doesn't. But it's two guys that have completely different backgrounds. But when you look at making this roster, outside looking in for sure.
1: Yeah, one guy that played five seasons of collegiate football, another guy that played a couple years of collegiate basketball. It's real interesting the different paths that these two guys have taken to be in the same place, which is in my third tier of tight ends on Countdown to Camp. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, Mason, how about you? Anything about you know these two guys that you wanted to share or anything you're looking forward to at camp, anything of that nature?
0: Yeah, so like with Scooter, again, awesome name. I know we said that, but I just love it. Uh, with, he was you know the number one recruit coming out of Connecticut, four-star recruit in the 2016 class. But he didn't do a ton in college. I mean, again, five seasons, had 17 receptions for 103 yards, two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns came in his final year. Doesn't exactly scream productivity at you. But then if you look at Darian Clark, he's a little on the older side. He's 25 years old. Um, Yes, he had that shoulder injury this last year. Then he's injured that shoulder twice before. And that was actually the reason that he didn't end up ultimately trying to walk on when he was at USC. And then he heard it again when he went over to Grand Canyon. So there's that injury risk concern there. Are you going to keep busting your shoulder? Um, And that's going to be obviously very important if you're, in theory, going to be that U-tight end, kind of the heir apparent to Jimmy Graham where you're doing jump balls up in the corner. You kind of need shoulder mobility for that. So that's a little bit of a red flag for me. You know, these two guys are just that, like you said, tier three, end of the roster. You really hope you don't have to have to go down to this point, but maybe one of them surprises you in camp.
1: Maybe they do. Maybe they won't. We'll find out here in about a month and a half. But, guys, we talked about all three tiers. Uh, Up next, we're going to do some over-under, true or false, fill-in-the-blank, bold predictions, all fun stuff. But Before we do that, uh, I think we need to make it official and determine who we believe uh, is going to make the team here at the tight end position. Uh, So, as Nick, uh, as your eyes widen, uh, just give me a number. How many do you got? And
2: I don't feel very confident saying this number, but I have four.
1: I have four as well, Mason. I think you're going to be the eyeball three based on what you said. If I'm taking the context clues correctly,
0: did I? That's nice. I three in German.
1: So how about you go first, because then Nick and I can just add on that fourth, and I, I feel Sweet. like we don't have to really draw this out.
0: Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, J. B. Holtz.
1: Nick, we just throwing Horsted in.
2: Ooh, I had, yes, we are just throwing in Horstead for that part. Uh, I day.
1: know you're really torn between Scooter for the name and then Horstead for the production, uh, but you made the wise decision.
2: Uh, yeah, I think it is a wise decision. When you look at years past, and I don't know why I have it all the way back to 2015, how many, you know, tight ends the Bears have carried. But going back to 2015, when Ryan Pace first got here, we go from three in 2015, 2016 is three, 2017 is four, 2018 is five. They, okay, no, 2019 is four. They barely played. Uh, 2020 is five. So I think four is is the number. But it, look, Mason has a three there. The Bears have done that two years
1: in a row when not Ryan Pace was got Not since here. Matt Nagy's been here, though. That's when you see that it's, huge uptick. Yeah, tick.
0: I would, yeah so 2018. The reason I look at that, though, is looking ahead at some of the other positions, right? Unless something changes, unless these Jets rumors are true, there's a good chance that Bears are carrying three quarterbacks. So that's going to be at least one more position that you have to take from somewhere. And we just talked about how horse that is not necessarily the most malleable of players. So would it make it, would it make more sense for you to have an extra linebacker for special teams to have an extra receiver? You know, we have a Daz Newsome who's potentially doing some return stuff. Uh, we got Cleo Herbert that might be doing return things. So at some point you got to get that number from somewhere. So, I don't know why you would use a roster spot on someone that's so one-dimensional.
1: You make good points. That was me <laughs> scratching my notepad like I should have crossed someone off. I'm going to roll with four, although I think, Nick, you and I get to this point of the year, right? Uh, we we say all the numbers, and then we add them up, and we're usually a little over because you know one episode doesn't carry to the next. We're just looking at the positions, but, but then we do our official 53-man roster episode, and we make it all good at the end.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to look back at, like, how many people do I have so far? Like, maybe that's why Horstead is not going to make it in the end. But, yeah, we we, we fix it up, though, right at the very end
1: there. I think last year I had 52, uh, weirdly. Uh, And then I was like, wow, I get to add someone. It's like a bonus player. And that was fun uh, to do throughout that episode. But getting a little ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) 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 Let's go ahead uh, and let's play uh, some uh, Over and Under. So over, under, I'm setting the first one here for five touchdowns for Jimmy Graham. Remember, he had eight last year, and you have, Nick, you have 17 games. I just want to make sure you didn't forget it from the beginning of the episode uh, until now. So, Nick, over to you first. You're going to take the over or under for five touchdowns for Graham? That's a tough one. I'm going,
2: I'll go with the over. I'll go, I'll give him six. That's it. That's his bread and butter. That's what he does. The Bears know that, so I'll go with six.
0: All right. How about you, Mason? I'm going to go under, and I have two reasons for that. One is I just think Cole Komet's going to emerge, and he's going to take a lot of those touchdowns. Number two, I think Andy Dalton is not going to use the tight ends as much as we might think he's going to. I have some Bengals stats for you guys. Tune in here. By the way, if you didn't know, leading tight end receiver for the Bengals ever is Bob Trumpy in 1968 with 4,600 yards, but I digress. Jermaine uh, Gresham, <laughs> who actually played with Dalton, he ranked at number 19 overall in terms of receptions with 2,722 yards over 74 games, about 36 yards per game. Tyler Eifert, who actually was mentioned in the chat from 2012 to 19, was number 20, with 2,152 yards over 58 games with 36 yards per game. If you compare that to Jimmy Graham last year, which is one of his worst years he's had, he was at 28.5 yards per game last year. And we would say that he wasn't necessarily the most productive overall. So, Andy Dalton doesn't seem to necessarily love throwing to the tight end. He's a little bit older. And when I think Andy Dalton, I think A.J. Green. I think receiver. So, I don't necessarily think that he, there's going to be a huge emphasis on tight end while Andy Dalton is playing.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I like that perspective, and I appreciate the homework uh, that you did uh, to kind of come to a, you know, a simple answer of over or under. <laughs> but I I love it a lot, and it's actually a good point because you do see – A lot of, I think, Bengals fans over the years you know, clamoring for more of Tyler Eifert. I know he had injuries himself, but underutilization uh, and just not wanting to go to them, that's interesting to me. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. Uh, For me, though, I'm taking the over uh, just because, well, I'm being optimistic here that the Bears can reach the red zone a a little bit more consistently. And once you do, I feel like it's such an easy jump ball situation. And if Jimmy Graham's not playing a lot of snaps, he's not getting a lot of yards, hopefully He's just catching a lot of touchdowns. I'll take seven. I'll, I'll, I'll up next by one.
2: I got something here. Uh, real quick, Mason, I looked at Justin Fields and his utilization of the tight end in 2020. Just looking at who we have here, Jeremy Ruckert, Ruckert, five touchdowns in 2020. And then you look at his other tight end, Luke Farrell, only one touchdown. So six touchdowns that Justin Fields is targeting. I think there was the really nice down the seam. I don't know which tight end made it for Ohio State. It was in the, it was against, was it Clemson? It was one of the playoff games, but Justin Fields, I think, likes the use of tight ends. So it, I guess it all depends which quarterback's playing and if Matt Nagy feels that he trusts the guys. But a lot, a lot of analysis there for the first over and under question. So I'm just going to shut up and you keep going well.
1: Sure. I have another over under. So if you guys have about 10 more minutes, I'm sure we can figure out some numbers. <laughs> Over or under four touchdowns for Cole Komet? Uh, That would be double his rookie output. Uh, Remember, just two last season. Mason, i go to you first.
0: Over, and I have him at a certain number that I'm saving for something bold.
1: Nice. You're, You're pulling a nick, and I like it. And I like that you're holding on to it, though, instead of just giving it away just now. So it's a mystery. I'm also taking the over here. I took it with seven as well. Uh, I had six for Jimmy Graham, by the way, Nick, Um, but I just wanted to not have the same number as you. Um, But I have seven touchdowns for Cole Komet this year. Uh, Maybe that's semi-bold, but I'm excited about it. What about you, Nick? I'll go over with five. All right, that's probably a little bit more realistic. Maybe. Maybe. All right, we'll stick with Cole Komet. Uh, Let's look at catches. I'm going to set the over-under at 38 catches for Komet. I hit 28 uh, a year ago. Nick, I'll go to you first.
2: I'm going to go over we talked about the importance of cole komet just being maybe the tight end the tight end one especially going into this season so i think he'll have over um i i'll go with 47 as his his number that he'll have this season
1: okay how about you mason Are you gonna take the over or under for 38 catches for cole Komet?
0: i'm gonna take the over uh, like you said he had 28 last year and he had, but he had 44 targets now with less snaps. So if some of those passes no I didn't go back and look at every single, you know, non-catch there and see what the problem was, but with some better quarterback play, you know, in the offense another year, you should be able to convert more of those into catches and just get more targets as a whole.
1: Awesome. I'm taking the over as well here. My number I put down my notes is forty-five. Forty five catches for Cole commit, Uh let's combine all tight ends here for this next over under our final over under and it's going to be 800 receiving yards for all tight ends. Uh, they had 744 last year. Nick, last season, uh, I set this one at 700, and I took the over, and I put it at 750, and they got 744. So I, I was almost on the money, but unfortunately, well, they were over 700, so I was right, but uh, I was very close. Again, this one right on the money. Um, so I'm actually taking the over at 820 total receiving yards for Chicago bears tight end. So they'll get 816. Um, but Nick, how about you? Are you going to take the over or under for 800 receiving yards for tight ends?
2: I'll take the over as well. I think this is, like I said, the, the year that we see Matt Nagy open up this offense. So I'll put it at 860 yards for the tight ends as a whole. All
1: right, Mason, how about you?
0: Over as well. You know, like they're, they just weren't used as much as they should have been or could have been even last year that just that more utilization really should shift them once a certain quarterback comes in that Nick had alluded to. I think that that's going to increase even more so. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be a bit more of that youth movement at that tight end position with command. So, you know, fresh legs, a little bit more yards after catch. Hopefully. Over. I like it.
1: Yeah. They'll have a fields day. Uh, once that era kind of comes about with that, I have three true or falses for you guys. Mason, I go to you first. True or false, Cole Komet will finish in the top 12 of tight ends in terms of yards. Last year, he would have needed 614 yards for that, just for uh, comparison's sake.
0: True. I think there's a pretty steep drop-off in terms of tight end production after you go through the Kittles and the Kelseys and everything like that, so you definitely have a really good chance of making it to the top 12.
1: Nick, how about you?
2: It's a tough one because Kittle didn't even play last season. So that's one other end that you're going to guarantee is going to be up there in the top ten. I'll go true though. I think Cole Komet is capable of it, and just hopefully other guys have down so that'll put you know Cole Komet up there.
1: I like it. I'll be the Debbie Downer. I'll, I'll say false. Uh, he'll have you know 600-ish receiving yards, but with that extra game, who knows what the other players are going to do? And really it's not as much of what Cole Komet's growth would be compared to with just what other Titans are doing around the league. But yeah, he's not going to be like a thousand plus yard receiver this season by me. And so not looking like at a top three guy, but top 12 is definitely possible. Uh, and that's why I put the bar there. Nick, I'll go over to you. True or false. Jimmy Graham will lead the bears in red zone touchdowns yet again.
2: False. And I hope it's false just because I think there are other guys that can take like Allen Robinson, I think should be the guy in the red zone. I know Jimmy Graham's been, made his his money there, but when you have guys like that, and I think you're just going to see the, the wealth being distributed a little bit more this season. So I'll go with false.
1: Okay. How about you, Mason? True or false?
0: Also false. I think that Jimmy's just going to get overall with less snaps than he did the previous year. You know, it was disappointing. Alan Robinson only had six touchdowns, I believe last year as a whole. I mean, that's, and he's going to, he's going to prove it year, right? I mean, he wants to get that contract. So, Players like him are going to step up more. You're going to see Darnell Mooney take more uh, of a step forward. You're going to see some of these running backs are going to be very interesting. Damian Williams, I and mean, we'll get to that when we get to that episode. There's just going to be more people, I think, getting red zone looks that are, is going to push him out a little bit.
1: I like it. My answer, false. <laughs> I just looked it up. I was like, why not? So we have three falses here for us here on uh, the Jimmy Graham red zone targets. He's not going to leave the team yet again. Uh, the final true or false for you guys, uh, someone other than Graham or Comet will have a multi-score season uh, at the tight end position. So you're looking at Horstead, maybe Holtz. Anyone on this roster that can have at least two touchdowns this season? Nick, you're shaking your head no, so you're going to say false?
2: I'm going to say false. I, I don't even know if other tight ends are really going to play this season other than those two. So
1: going false.
0: Mason. Very, very, very false.
1: Well, here, one second.
0: All right, there we yep, go. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> false for me as well. Uh, two fill in the blanks here for today's episode. Uh, so Mason, I'll go to you first to fill in the blank. The QB's favorite target at tight end this year will be blank.
0: Darian Clark. Oh, sorry. Cole commit.
1: There you go. <laughs> Freudian slip. I, I know what you're hoping for. Nick, how about you? It's going to be Cole Comet. Yeah, I thought that was an easy one as well. But I have a tough one that to kind of balance it out, and this one's only for Nick. We will see Cole Comet on angry runs blank times. I'm going to go two,
2: two times this year. I think, uh, look, he's, he's obviously had the scepter from what he did against Houston and that poor... You know, his poor defenders is just bouncing off him, but he's going to be motivated to get on there at least twice. Not win it, just be nominated twice this year.
1: All right. I, I like it. How about, Mason, you can join in if you want. How many times do you think we'll see Cole commit on angry runs?
0: Uh, just to make an interesting three, because he's just going to play just that nasty.
1: Love it. Let's go for it. All right, gentlemen. It's time for our Chicago Bears tight end bold predictions. Mason, you've been teasing yours all episode long. What's going to be your bold prediction for the Bears tight ends?
0: Cole Kmet will score 9 touchdowns this year, leading the Bears in touchdowns and beating Jimmy Graham's previous mark of 8 last year.
1: Perfect. That is tremendously bold, but one that I can definitely get behind. Really good one. How about you, Nick?
2: That was that was that was a good one, um, Mason, but I have a better one. Or not even, maybe not a better one, but we saw Cole Komet have his best game of his season uh, and statistically in terms of yards against the Rams. The Bears play the Rams week one. Cole Komet will lead the team in receiving yards and have two touchdowns to start off the season and have another one of those Moss-like kind of receptions down, down the sideline to start off the 2021 season.
0: Did any of Dalton get hurt in the first quarter or something?
2: It's just it's a Cole Komet thing. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You can throw Tyler Bray in there, and he well maybe that's the reason why he can't find anyone downfield. And Cole Komet's still there. At least getting the receptions though.
1: All right. So you guys both went Cole Komet, So I'll flip it. I'll go with Jimmy Graham, and we'll go bold. Jimmy Graham outdoes his twenty twenty output in terms of red zone touchdowns, and he'll have ten total touchdowns next year for the bears it's his first double digit season i think in about five or six years if i remember correctly uh and that would be one more uh than mr Comet had down there mason
0: and just uh like so what i'm thinking here is that because you know obviously i did not say that jim graham was going to correct the you know the five touchdown mark i just feel like that the young guns are going to have a connection there Justin fields is going to come in dump it off more often to cole commit and he's just going to have that amazing year that even Nick was talking about with his Rams prediction.
1: Perfect. How about a top eight tight end Cole Komet total year as a second bold prediction here just to throw one out. Uh, Before we jump into our next and last subject for this episode and that's going to be our confidence meter. So Nick, how confident are you in the Bears tight end group from top to bottom heading into the 2021 NFL season?
2: So you say top to bottom, Will, and you know the bottom is, is real real deep. I don't even know what's even down there really in terms of players, but look at the two that they have in Cole Command, Jimmy Graham, and what we're expecting. Confident, confidence meter wise, I would put this at put it at an eight. Like it, it's improved. We're expecting more out of the group, but like again, one injury away, you you are you're in trouble. But they showed they could stay healthy in, in 2020. There's an extra game. But I think you're just going to be seeing a lot more of Cole Komet. And that's exactly what this Bears team, I think, needs and what the the focus should be moving forward. So I'll give it an 8, and that's probably high in what I've been grading you know, previously. But I, I'm just high in Cole Komet and what he can potentially do.
1: I think you're just high on getting out of grad school and you're feeling real generous this week. It could be that too. I'm so happy I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Mason? What's going to be your confidence meter?
0: I'm going to say like a 6.2 for the number of touchdowns Cole Komet scored last year. Um, It's like Nick said, they're just one injury away from having to have, you know, Darian Clark, Scooter Harrington, Jesper Horstead (laughs) step up. And that does not still, instill a lot of confidence. You You have Jimmy Graham who is on the older side. He has proven last year to be durable. But that's not something that's guaranteed. Cole Clement needs to make the jump still. We haven't seen that quite yet. So until we actually can see them a little bit more, maybe in the OTAs, in the training camp, and actually showing that they, they both can do this. And then we can be in week 9, 10, especially with this extra game that we have without a bye week, that they can all stay healthy and happy. There's just, it's real, real thin there.
1: Okay. Uh, that's a that's a realistic one, I think. It's very close to mine. I'm sitting at about a 6.8, give or take, here with my confidence meter. You guys have done a lot of good points. I want to rehash all of them, but for me personally, I expect Jimmy Graham to be a very valuable and viable part of this offense still. Maybe not you know, between the 20s, but once you reach that red zone, I don't expect a huge drop-off in production. Uh, there's a reason why uh, he made it look easy last year, like the one-handed catch. He just jump over a guy. He's tall, 6'7". 7 doesn't take a lot for him to, you know, be in a favorable position against a safety, a corner, a linebacker. It really doesn't matter. So he should have some good production down there. Cole Komet, Mason, you hit it. We have to see him make this jump. Uh, I'm banking on the fact, and all Bears fans are, that he will and he can. Uh, I'll be excited to see how he can build chemistry with, you know, both quarterbacks, just because we don't know who will be playing week one. Um, But if by chance he endures some sort of sophomore slump, boy, does that really, you know, hinder this entire position right now. And we talked about it in great detail, though, that depth. It's kind of scary. It's no different than last year, though. Uh, So maybe it shouldn't worry me as much as it does right now. Um, But just knowing that you're an injury away of, you know, having to throw out, you know, someone like a J.P. Holtz in a bigger role, someone who we haven't seen have a bigger role is a little concerning. Although if we need a U tight end and it's just for Horstead. I don't know. I feel pretty confident. Maybe my confidence meter goes up to like a nine, uh, if that's the case, but there's just so many, uh, you know, unknowns right now for real though. Uh, so I'm sitting at about 6.8 or so with my confidence meter and we'll see how it all shakes out, but I'd wish there was a little bit more depth, but given the bears, other needs, given the limited cap, it makes sense why they didn't really touch this position compared to the, you know, not this time a year ago, but the end of last season, Nick, any final thoughts before we wrap things up?
2: I'll just pose a question, I guess, in terms of other teams around the league. How many, and I can't really name one on top of my head, have really three capable tight ends. The first team that came to mind was the Eagles and Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, and we don't know if Ertz is going to be there, but I just don't know how many teams have a guy that, like, oh, Travis Kelsey goes down, like for the Chiefs example, like you feel good about what you got. You're not going to feel good if he goes down or even the 49ers in that sense with Kittle not I don't know how deep the position in general in the NFL is so if we look at it that way and what the Bears have and still the jump with Komet is probably the biggest thing that we need to see maybe the Bears are okay in, in that standpoint yes we'd like to see a nice veteran there that you can rely on that's not you know Deion Sims or players like that but I think just looking league wide how many teams actually have feel good about like if one of our guys goes down we have someone we can put in we'll be just fine
1: that's some good perspective
2: i had to make myself feel better about the eight that i gave in confidence so that's exact i'm like how can i make myself feel better about this that's how i I did it but
0: the way you almost have to look at it is is how, how do you compare just in general that third tight end to a jp holtz of the world who had zero receptions on one target last year I, I mean, I don't know. I have to go through all the three tight ends across the league, but just off the top of my head, I'm like, oh man, but please don't go down either of you, please.
1: Yeah, I think that's where we got to leave it. Uh, but yeah, it's I, there's a lot of excitement. Cole Komet, if he can make this jump, uh, it could be you know, our you know hometown kid. Just further cementing himself as a fan favorite. Can't wait to see uh, what he can do, as well as the rest of his position down there or up there, I guess, for me uh, at Howlis Hall uh, late July, early August. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, please make sure to, you know, just take a minute, leave a review for a show on Apple Podcast. Uh, again, we will send a free Bears jersey to one lucky reviewer if we reach to, uh, 650. Uh, by training camp i want to thank everyone uh, who's watching this show live or if maybe you watched a recording uh and if you wanted to uh, make sure to join the 7,000 plus bears fans who subscribe to our youtube channel so you never miss an episode and of course a huge thank you to all the thousands of podcast listeners uh, across the globe we really appreciate each and every one of you it doesn't matter how you consume our show we just do appreciate uh, the time that you are sharing here with us up next, we're going to bounce back to the Bears' defense with a preview of the Bears' linebackers, both inside and out. Are we in store for a special season from Roquan Smith? Will the Bears finally have the surrounding cast to unleash Khalil Mack like we saw in 2018? Will Robert Quinn become the player we'd hope he would be in Chicago? And what's going on with Danny Trevathan? Uh, we'll discuss all that and much more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>